Welcome to the AV Podcast Games Edition. Presented by Ian Collin. Hi, this is Ian Collin from 360 Gamer Magazine, welcoming you to this week's gaming podcast. This week we've got the latest games news, we'll also be reviewing Crackdown on the Xbox 360, we'll also be introducing you to our new podcast member Mark Adams as we discuss games, consoles and PCs, and asking which is better or whether they can coexist in one happy home. The AV Podcast Gaming News with Ian Collin and Seth Gecker. Okay, we'll start off this week with a little bit of uh, Sony news. I know we've been a little bit tough on Sony in recent times, and often with good reason, it has to be said. But it's been, yeah. <laughs> but it's been it's been quite an interesting week this week for for Sony, though, with a fair amount of good news for them. But then just you know another little piece of bad news just to drag them back down again. But we'll start off with the good news, though, because we're positive like that. And the good news for gamers is that Sony have announced that the first party titles for the PS3 when it launches in the UK um, will have a recommended retail price of just £39.99, which is the, the same as Nintendo's Wii, but most importantly it's £10 cheaper than what uh, Xbox 360 gamers currently having to launch out for Microsoft launch titles. This price point for now, it's only been confirmed for, like I say, the Sony launch titles, which includes uh, Motorstorm, Resistance Fall of Man, Genji Days of the Blade, Ridge Racer 7, Nothing's been confirmed elsewhere, so all the other publishers and stuff, it's not like a, an official nailed-on price for all games, but it would seem strange if other publishers didn't follow suit and release games at the same price point. Hopefully this is a long-term price point as well, and not just like a you know, a nice little introductory price just to rush a few people, coax a few people into buying the PS3. But it's certainly uh, a very, very welcome move from Sony. I mean, we've criticised the price that the console is to buy just by itself, so spending £425-£450 just getting hold of the piece of hardware in the first place. So maybe saving £10 a game isn't a massive, massive reward, but it's still on a long-term basis. It's something to encourage maybe a few more gamers towards picking up the PS3, which obviously therefore is something that Microsoft may have to respond to and drop their prices, which would be good for 360 gamers, I'm hoping. I'm just thinking of someone going out and buying the PS3 on the day of release. You know, I'll buy that in a couple of days and £500 down, and I'm going to feel better about saving a fiver on a game. Yeah, mm. save yourself £10, yeah. I'll go and buy an ice cream. That's it, it's like, oh, wow. It could, it's an expensive starting price. I mean, I don't know how long it'll take until the price of the console itself comes down, but it's still, it's just a, for for Sony and for PS3 gamers, it's just, you know, it's a, it's something good, it's something positive. I mean, you know, like I say, it was slamming the retail price of the console, but £10 a game, you know, if you take that over a couple of years, maybe, if Microsoft don't start dropping their prices, then, you know, it's going to start to balance out slightly. Mark my words, Sony won't sell the numbers that they think that they'll sell, and they will end up releasing a console without the Blu-ray driver at a cheaper price point to meet on the 360. You wait, this year. (laughs) I'm saying nothing, because it's all massively unofficial. Good news for Sony, though, some more good news for them, is that uh, it's actually starting to top games retail charts as well. We'll be coming to the UK games charts in due course, but the PS2 exclusive Final Fantasy XII is number one in the UK charts, ahead of the 360 exclusive Crackdown. Uh, Final Fantasy XII is a PS2 exclusive game, so things are still looking good for the PS2, which obviously is far from dying, as many people might have thought when the PS3 starts coming along. But most notably as well for the PS3 is that it's also got number one spot now in Japan, Virtua Fighter 5 becoming the first ever PS3 title to top the charts over there. Console still being massively outsold by the Wii, more than 2 to 1 I believe, but the fact that the game's selling the likes of Wii Sports, Wii Play and New Super Mario Bros. has got to be good news for Sony, obviously going to be bringing them a few quid and also just a nice little indication that maybe a few Japanese gamers are starting to pick up on the, the potential that the PS3 might have. And, you know, hopefully for Sony, pick up a few more games in the future. Yeah, but isn't it ironic that Virtual Fighter 5 is a Sega game? Yes, there is always that bit to it. There is that kind of Sega loyalty going on. Hey, it's number one, then I'm going to knock it. It's not like oh, somebody bringing yeah. out a shit single and saying, yeah, it's rubbish, people bought it because it was a theme tune to a film. It's like, it's number one, they're going to milk it. And fair play to them, it's a good game. But whilst Sony's laughing all the way to the bank, it appears that um, European PS3 owners may not be having such a good time if they've still got a fondness for their PS2 titles. Um, as news comes through that the PS3 in Europe won't be as backwards compatible with PS2 games as it was originally uh, intended to be, or as it currently is in the States. 
And the reason being is that they're just removing the, the chips that make full compatibility accessible to, to many, many titles, or to most titles. Sony said it's simply looking to secure the playability of PS3 titles, but real reason generally understood is that it's simply a cost-cutting measure, which, taking into account the cost of the console itself, is no bad thing. PS1 games should still be largely compatible, just because they're pretty simple to, to emulate onto the PS3, but PS2 games have been described as being limited into the amount of backwards-compatible titles, but um, full list will be going up on March 23rd on a website, so we'll have to wait and see exactly what titles you won't be able to play if you've got a PS2 and want to keep playing those PS2 games when you get your PS3. Don't you just love Sony's logic? We'll make you pay more for the console and take things out. Yes. Makes nice. you wonder how much it would have been if they'd left that chip in. Yeah. <laughs> 425 quid. Yeah. I will move on at a rapid rate of knots away from Sony. And their lawyers. Reasons. It's time for the 25th Annual Golden Joystick Awards, apparently, on the 26th of October, and the voting starts now. Don't ask me why it's such a big big deal, but I think it goes back to the um, Computer and Video Games magazine, if you remember that far back. I do, but they're from a rival publishing company to what I work for, so I'm not going to big them up too much. <laughs> well, you won't have, don't have to big them up too much, and no, I'm it's, fine. It's, 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 a, it's a big, big awards. It's a big awards Sorry. for the year, effectively. And like I say, you can go and uh, um, watch the votes and all that. And they've announced that um, people are whoever's uh, sort of hosting things are going to be announced. And it's great because I love the PR that comes out from this. They've announced the date. They've said it's the 25 years, the very first ones when Atari, Commodore, and Spectrum ruled the Earth. Well, okay, we'll give them Commodore and Spectrum. I'm not sure about Atari. They were always the sort of, not even a third port cousin that you kind of like, you know, it was like, ugh. I think they so, might have ruled a classroom somewhere. It was the one that schools tended to have when they just what, had one no, computer. No, not Atari. You're thinking of BBC Model Bs and Electrons, dude. I'm so oh, much no, older than you now, aren't I? Oh, no, it was Atari. It was like the Games Day thing. Like a game oh, you're, like going to, you're thinking of Atari ST, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, God, no, we're, we're before that, mate. God, that's so 1987. Oh, back in the old <laughs> bricks, the two bricks. Back, we're talking Commodore 64, Spectrum 48Ks, and Atari, uh, what was it, 800 XLs or something. Oh, I'm far too young, sorry. I know, but that was when the first one came out, so we're 25 years moved on, and nothing's changed. We're still bringing out sequels to games that sucked in the first place. Allegedly. <laughs> he says originality is dead. <laughs> Everybody that keeps on bringing out FIFA this year's version. But, anyway, if you go to um, www.cvg.co.uk, um, it will be broadcast on live on the internet on the 26th of October from Paris Lane Hilton in London. Um, there's bound to Paris be somebody Hilton. famous. No, Paris Lane Hilton, not... Oh, is it Paris Lane Hilton? Park Lane Hilton Hotel, not Paris Hilton. Um, other things are being held there as usual, or being held at any rate. <laughs> She's got quite a conference room. Um, what date is that? Sorry, is it 26th of March? <laughs> 26th of October. October, sorry. It's miles away. They're really, really milking it out to make sure that people are aware of this one. But they're trying to reach one million votes for the 25th anniversary. So, you know, they okay. want basically to know that there's a million anoraks or so out there. So you I shouldn't really stop... say that about gamers, but you know, some of them are. <laughs> hey, we get out from time to time. That's not what I've heard. <laughs> Alright. Okay, maybe just once or twice. <laughs> so, That's so not what, what I've heard. <laughs> Okay, it was once. I was on parole. Um, That's true. So what, they want people to start voting for games now? I think so. Um, Game of the Year 2007. Game of the Year 2007. Halo 3. It doesn't come out until November. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. But, yeah, there's going to be a a couple of famous people, I'm sure, that are going to present the awards. Um, Apparently, last year, it was Jimmy Carr and MTV's Emma Griffiths. Anyway, it's all happening in October. Go to the site, check it out, cast your votes, and we'll see if uh, a decent quality title gets uh, nominated or if it'll be Gwar. Okay, um, got a, just a few gaming announcements now, just because it's been uh, quite a busy few days in terms of games being announced and confirmed. So I decided to run through a few titles that we can look forward to, or games that I'm possibly looking forward to myself. First up, admittedly unsurprising news that the sequel to 2005 hit uh, Mercenaries has been confirmed now for the Xbox 360, the PS2 and the PC. Games published by EA and developed by Pandemic, the same studio who developed the original title. 
the game Mercenaries 2 World in Flames. Uh, it was originally touted as being a PS3 exclusive game, but as uh, yet another one that Sony's had to share around. Not a massive surprise, but still definitely very, very welcome for, well, for me as a 360 gamer and for PS2 and PC games because the original was uh, an excellent, excellent title um, simply because, you know, it had a massive playground, great fun to explore, playing as a hired assassin, you could, you know, pick and choose your targets, just, you know, um, gun for hire kind of thing, and it was just great fun with glorious, brutal bloodshed all over the place. A couple of other titles as well, I'll just run through these quickly, just because it's been a... An, Busy few days for THQ as well, they've been throwing out loads of announcements lately. Um, just announced MotoGP 07, it's coming to Xbox 360 and PC. Another sequel, no big surprise, but it's on their list, so I figured I'd do it anyway. God, how many sequels have you done for Tetris? But there's a game called Tetris Evolution coming out for the Xbox 360, which means that finally we can get to play Tetris once again. Jeez. <laughs> Tetris That's... Evolution, this time we're not going to use blocks. Yes, I don't know how they're going to twist that. That would be an evolution. It's... We'll use bubbles. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty much more of the same, but it's just going to be glitched and glammed to the max. With It's going to have loads of new game modes, multiplayer bells, whistles, and alarms ringing all the time that just says, it's... hey, look, this is great. Sorry, it's really sad that you what you could do on a, an 8086 PC in like 18K is now coming out on an Xbox DVD. It's like... Yes. <laughs> I think it's fair scary. to say that this is not going to be a full-price title. <laughs> I, I but... hope not. You know, it'll still be good fun regardless. It'll be, it'll fill one of those kind of, um, you know, addictive arcade kind of spaces that we all tend to go through, and I'm sure Tetris will get a fair amount of loving. One game which I'm just looking forward to see how it develops and how it turns out is um, that the, you remember Conan, Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Destroyer, the classic Arnie character. I, I'll let you have Conan. I won't let you have classic and Arnie in the same sentence. Oh come on, it's biblical stuff. It's um, actually but... a novel anyway, but there you go. Yes, based on the well, film, based on the novels. But yeah, THQ are releasing uh, Game Conan, which is the first from a potential franchise based on the, those books or the novels from Robert Howard. Specific details yet to be confirmed, but it looks like it's, you know, the feeling's going to be there, the style's going to be there. So we're guessing there's going to be a lot of... Um, I no, don't there was think a lot of shagging in, in the books. That was on the fact sheet. I don't think that's quite been announced yet. I'm that's thinking there'll get, be people with bleeps, but it's swords. absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> if you've read the books, it's like, Conan goes along, hits people with swords. Oh, it's a female, that shagger. In not so much graphic detail. Hell, if it's not in the game, I'm sure it'll be some kind of hot coffee instalment that they'll slide in somewhere, just to keep, you know, it's keeping it authentic. Slide keeping it fans of the books happy. It. That's what it's about. Indeed. And finally, it's the final word in video game journalism. Fitting neatly between the AP Stylebook and Wired Style, the Video Game Style Guide and Reference Manual, written by internationally acclaimed writers David Thomas, Kyle Orland and Scott Steinberg, is the first volume to definitively catalogue the multi-billion dollar game industry from A to Z. I, I, I kid you not on this, they've actually written a book on game journalism. To literally quote the PR, a must-have for working professionals and aspiring authors alike, the volume includes hundreds of rules for grammar, spelling, usage, capitalization and abbreviation. Like, nothing gets past these people that, you know, English would be useful for a journalist. <laughs> um, it, I, I'll carry on, because it, it, for me, it's, it's quite funny. Um, I will say that if you are a, a broadcast media blogger, fan site owner, online scribe, newspaper reporter, and print magazine staffer, you can actually get it for a limited time for free. So, Ian, you might want to pick one of these up. Can um, I be blatantly honest? Can you be blatantly honest? You've already I it. applied for it today. <laughs> inside obviously the book, not that I'd need that no, kind of no of course of not because you're too professional but in, inside look definitive answers to pressing questions such as video game one word or two it's on the Con cover console or system what defines a good game review I suppose we're going it's crap probably doesn't define a good game review if that's all the words you use it actually features for resources such as clear rules for usage and standards, hundreds of in-depth entries, notable names, games and companies, so Electronic Arts will be in there, and that'll be about it, complete guide to game criticism, see my It's Crap review comment, and the historical timeline. I think, uh, I mean, they're, they're really bigging this up as a proper PR thing, but I think it's really ironic that they've 
bring out a book saying, you know, you must get your you know, grammar and spelling right and things like that, which is basic journalism things. You know, it's, it's, it's really got down to that kind of idiot culture. And you said you ordered it, yes? Yes, that's because cool. I am an idiot. But no, okay. it is pretty much my job to make sure that I get all those facts and figures, or not facts and figures, but all the Freebie. precise little details right. It's the kind of thing where there's only like a, a small minority of people who'll pick up on these little facts, but I'm a little bit anal when it comes to getting those specific details, you know, getting things grammatically perfect, spelling things right, just in terms of general layout, design, and so on and so forth. I don't think I'd buy it. Well, but, um, the fact free, then, isn't it? I'm, I, well, hopefully. You have to apply for it, ask very nicely, which I've done, yeah. because, you know, it could be useful, but, um, yeah, it can kind of smack you in the face a little bit when you go onto a journalist-related website. And there's well, a press it, release on there telling you, hey, journos, you need help because you can't type for shit. <laughs> Buy our book, we'll help you out. We'll make if it sure. makes you feel better, though, Ian, he says one of the authors um, has got his quick little bit, bit bio here and he has written uh, various uh, topics on um, um, stories for such people as CNN, the LA and New York Times, Rolling Stone TV Guide and that classic magazine for everybody, Playboy. Oh, yeah, that's games-related. Do they have a game section in the back? I think there's a lot of interfacing goes on in that mag. <laughs> yes, definitely. I hear their forums are quite popular. Well, seeing as that is a, a, a book there, Ian, on journalism, um, you know, what better journalists that, that I can actually think of that spring to mind um, than Smashy and Nicey? Without further ado, I feel that the top ten should come right now. Oh, God. <laughs> And number 10 is the Lego-tastic Star Wars 2, the original trilogy. <laughs> and down to four to this week's number 9, it's Avatar, the Legend of Aang. And number 8, why not be a commander? It's supremely with Supreme Commander. I can't, sorry. <laughs> and up to number 7, uh, staying super at lucky number 7, it's the new Super Mario Plumbing-tastic Brothers. And number six, we have Sims 2 Pets. And moving into the top half, see what I did? Top half, <laughs> Not number off. five, I'm feeling the need for speed with Need for Speed Carbon. Yeah. Number four, there's no evolution with Pro Evolution Soccer 6. That's like a more <laughs> generation game. <laughs> nice to see you, to see you nice. <laughs> but we got some more top footy fun for you at number three. Last week's league leader drops two places. It's FIFA 07. And number two, there's no cracks in it. It's Crackdown. <laughs> and uh, rounding off this week's top ten, we've got a number twelve. <laughs> this week's game with fame is the Chop Socketastic Final Fantasy 12. It rocks. Not off. <laughs> or something. I'm sorry, everybody. Anybody thought we were actually trying to do impressions? You're wrong. <laughs> and with the rhythm still pounding in our hearts, that's this week's gaming news. <laughs> For the biggest and best DVD and HD news and reviews, visit avplay.com. Okay, this week's gaming review is that of Crackdown on the Xbox 360. It's a 360 exclusive title, so if you don't have one, I'm afraid this review isn't for you. It's a game that a lot of people have been looking forward to for, with some excitement for quite a while, principally because, you know, it's it's a bright, fun, colourful game. It's you know, a lot of visual attractiveness, a lot of visual style to it, but equally because it's... I don't want to call it a GTA clone, because those kind of... these sandbox games with big, large, open environments pretty much banded together as being GTA clones, which is possibly a little bit harsh on a lot of them. But the reason that this one just drawn so much attention is because it's been developed by the person who created the original GTA series, a guy called Dave Jones, who's now set up a new development studio called Real Time Wells, and they're the team behind Crackdown. So it's fair to say he knows his stuff. And whilst... And whilst I don't want to use um, GTA as a, as a reference, as a constant reference, I'll try not to mention it too much if I can. But um, it's inevitable, really, that um, contrasts will be made. But I think the Crackdown, as itself, as a standalone game, very, very much holds its own. But it is just, you know, it's 
it's got its own kind of take on that whole kind of genre. Okay, um, just to quickly cover the, the basic premise of the plot, if you feel the need and you want to know what's going on in amongst all the crazy action that's going to be happening around you, you take on the role of a law enforcement officer, or an agent, in a place called Pacific City, a city which is run by three main gangs, all kind of vying for control of various parts of the city, and the agency that you work for, um, the aim is to take them all down. Rather than being just like your standard cop superhero, armed with loads of guns and nerves of steel, you kind of rise above rise above the other officers because um, instead of just your typical heroic tendencies you also have um, advanced genetic abilities um, or genetic tendencies as they're referred to. These give you amplified powers throughout the game which really opens it up uh, in one key area which I'll come to in a in a brief moment. But these tendencies they give you amplified prowess in areas of uh, agility, uh, driving, explosive, strength and firearms. These are based on a four-star rating scale, and you start off at the bottom end of the scale, so you don't get to fully exploit these skills early on, which is a little bit disappointing, really, if you just want to get into the game, get into the swing of things. But once they start totting up, once you start getting the points, and you can really, really exploit, crack down to the maximum, it's well worth holding out for, because it can be a brilliant experience. The key thing that makes this rise above, quite literally, games such as GTA, is that... Um, I mentioned it being a sandbox environment, where Crackdown differs from many other games is that it, the third dimension that it really, really amplifies is that of height. Um, and this is based on your amplified powers, as I mentioned earlier. The key one is that of agility. And this means that you can pretty much, you go Superman, you can jump buildings in a single bound. As I say, you start off pretty low key, but you know this still means you can jump across alleyways, you can clear small streets without any worries about hitting the ground. Basically, the rooftops is where the coolest action hangs on, so that's where you want to be up there in the skies. And it just, it really, really opens up the the environment much, much more than just running around on foot, jumping in cars, as you have done in several other of the, again, I hate to use the word GTA, but in those kind of games. And be it on the streets or be it on the roof, so the action itself, it's really, really quite intense. It's fast, it's furious stuff. Maybe it doesn't have quite as much kind of finesse as quite a few other games. It is pretty much just holding down the trigger, getting the most out of your guns, just unleashing amongst this horde of relatively dumb enemies who will just amble at you in a nice orderly fashion, just allow you to plow through them. Got a, an auto-targeting system which kind of helps, pretty much needed sometimes because the action can get quite intense so you need to have some kind of calm amongst this storm of action. It can be a little bit interfering though because there's, you can't move the lock from one person to another. The only way that you could switch your target is by releasing the auto lock, changing your position to lock onto somebody else. So it can be a little bit random in that respect. And I did find as well, it kind of tended to stay locked to dead people for a little bit too long, which was a bit, bit annoying when you're being shot at by others. Throughout though, the action is pretty much relentless if you want it to be. It's a, as I say, it's an open-ended environment, so you're free to move around however you will. The missions you can pick up and choose in a... You've got a little bit of room, a little bit of space as to what order you take them on in. But the basic uh, list of missions are that, there, as I say, there are three gangs. Each one has a main boss, and there's kind of like a very convenient hierarchy of um, sort of uh, goons that work beneath them. So your missions start by taking out the person at the bottom rung of the ladder, and then you gradually work your way up through these three gangs. Until you take out the head honcho, take them all out, city saved, hurrah, you're a hero. But obviously, as you'd expect from a game such as this, there's loads more going on around there. There's loads of just random skirmishes you can get involved in if you just want to break from the action, just want to have a just mess about, a bit of fun. Um, there's a few other challenges as well, like um, racing challenges that you could do. There are vehicles around as well that you could just jump in and have a good laugh in. Um, like I say, you've got, you can boost your driving skills. And um, there's some top quality vehicles in there. There's a, an agency supercar, which I'd recommend getting to grips with if you do play the game. It can hit 200 miles an hour easy. And if your driving skills bumped up to the max, you can pull off some awesome stunts, which is just unnecessary, but a nice diversion regardless. If I possibly had to pick out one key criticism, it's not so much a criticism, it's more something which is possibly a little bit frustrating for the more hardcore gamer. Um, it's a great fun, it's good to jump in and play around with, but it is pretty easy, to be honest. Kind of hoping for many, many hours of gameplay, but if you want to just sit down and play through it, it's a little bit simple so that you can actually finish it within sort of 10 hours, if you, you know, put your mind to it and just play through the missions. Because you've got 
health and armor, which both uh, regenerate. So you've got an armor. It's kind of like Halo, where you, you know you take a few hits, your armor drops down. All you have to do is duck out of the action. Armor, health recharges, jump back in. And because you've got all these superb agility skills, it's quite easy just to jump in and out of the action. So at times it can be it's a little bit straightforward, a little bit simple to do. You know, it gets a little bit more difficult later on, as you'd expect, but it's still not the most challenging game. But the thing with Crackdown is, you know, it's supposed to be fun. The visual style of it, it's kind of in a comic book style. Although, you know, in fairness to the game, that doesn't mean that it's just simple 2D graphics they've thrown together here. It looks very, very impressive. They've put in lots of subtle little details to it. I mean, it's a big city, so they've made sure the draw distances, for example, look superb. And there's loads of nice little touches. The animations look really, really nice. You know, the explosions, there's loads of subtle little details, like, you know, when you jump down from these huge heights, land on the floor, you know, you kind of hit the floor, crouch down on one knee, floor cracks, smoke comes up. It's just loads of nice little effects like that that take it away from that kind of flat 2D visual style that you might kind of pick up on when you're looking at the screenshots. To quickly summarise then, um, it's not a perfect game, It's but it's still it's a whole lot of fun. I don't think it's ever going to rank down as a classic. I'm thinking that it's the first game of what can be a very, very impressive franchise. So I'm thinking that there, there will be a crackdown too, possibly, and it will get better and better. But this is certainly a very, very good first attempt. One that I definitely recommend you check out. Not just because you get to play the Halo 3 multiplayer beta test on it. It's very much uh, a game well worth playing just on its own merit. I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Some people might want to give it a little higher. Some people want to give it a little less just because it doesn't have the detail or that hardcore edge. But I think it's just good fun. Great fun to play. Just good, mindless, nonsensical action. Give it a whirl. For more DVD news and reviews, visit avplay.com. This week's roundtable discussion. Okay, moving on to this week's um, roundtable discussion, we can welcome a new voice to the table. That's that of Mark Adams. Hi, Mark. Hey, guys. Welcome to the gaming podcast. Thanks very much. <laughs> you will <And> regret it. <laughs> it gets better. But yeah, this week's point of discussion is um, to do with the relationship between PCs and consoles, whether we need one with the other, whether PCs and consoles are worth the place in the same household if you're just into your games. Seth, I understand you've got a particularly relevant point that someone on the forums has made. A member called uh, BLB22 um, posted on the PC forums um, this week and basically said, I bought, uh, I built rather um, a PC um, about a couple of years ago. It was considered a highly, a fairly high spec for what he believed, um, and it cost him about a thousand pounds. Now he was basically saying, with the impending release of the PS3, which he's already pre-ordered, um, why would anyone build a PC nowadays over a console if the main use is gaming? Um, my setup cost a thousand pounds, like I said, um, and it seems to be very much out of date. It's a couple of years old. My three hundred and fifty pound graphics card is not even on the high spec to run Windows Vista. Two, if I wanted to buy a build, build a new machine that was as capable as a PS3, how much would it cost? And then he said, bearing in mind with the PS3 I get a Blu-ray player, graphic capabilities of basically 1080p, of something that money won't buy a dedicated gaming and update service, which is an interesting one, and install Linux on the PS3. Um, so basically the argument is, uh, isn't or aren't people stupid building a PC over them buying a console? Um, purely for gaming use. Well, I, I think it depends on what kind of games you want to be playing. I mean, obviously there are very PC distinctive um, tiles, you know, obviously straight into like RTS is that kind of thing, which um, obviously run a lot better on PCs, a lot easier to play on PCs. Um, so to that extent, I, I mean, I don't know how important the specs are. Um, you know, if you're, just, if you're just into the gaming and the precise um, you know, the high quality action that you're getting isn't as important, then by all means, put together a PC if you're just in it for the games. I think the specs are very important if you're really serious about gaming on the PC. You said the guy spent a grand a couple of years back, is that right? That's right. I mean, I actually yeah. do have the guy's spec, um, and what he considered high spec, I, I have to be honest, I wouldn't. He purchased an AMD 64 3500+. 512 meg of RAM. Yeah. Um, it was an X800 XT graphics card, which apparently he bought the day of release. A DVD ROM, a DVD writer, um, a Neo power supply, and and an 80 gig hard disk. 
I mean, from my perspective, I have to be honest, like I said, I don't think that's particularly high-spec, even a couple of years ago. No, 512 meg RAM is not high-spec at all. Not no. even two years ago. No. No. Um, if you're looking for high-spec at that time, you're looking for about a gig, if you're looking for high-spec now, you're looking at at least two gig of RAM, at the very least, to get really quality gaming on the PC. But, I mean, you can obviously build a PC for a reasonable f amount of money, um, and the graphics cards are considerably cheaper than they were for bang for buck. But, you know, I mean, the argument is, is why don't, you know, why don't people just spend £425 on a PS3? Basically, that's it. You buy your console, you hook it up to your telly, no problem. I mean, the, the first couple of points, I mean, he actually does post um, a, a little bit further on, and I'm not deliberately picking his posts up in terms of anything else. I'm actually bringing this particular thread to um, the, the table and I just thought that it would be good to have uh, other people banding the argument around that may or may not mm. post on the forums. Was that, you know, if you buy a PS3 you're going to have 1080p gaming and you've got a Blu-ray player. But the first question he said is why would they buy it over a PC if the main use is gaming? Well the first thing is, is if that's the case then what's the, the, the point of the Blu-ray player? The um, dedicated gaming and update service which we all know that on the PC you know as long as you've got the internet connection you're sorted the only um, exceptions to that rule are games like Warcraft where you pay a subscription um, but then you know take Final Fantasy on the Xbox 360 still a subscription yeah. and, he, and another point was oh I can also install Linux on the PS3 well you can also install Linux on the uh, PC and it costs nothing <laughs> so you know from that point of view his arguments weren't holding up very well there, especially when he brought in, oh, I get a Blu-ray player. Well, that's not really a gaming thing, is it? And the other thing is he's going on about, oh, I get graphic capabilities of 1080p. Yeah, but you're still going to have to plug it into a 1080p screen, and that costs money too. You know, a lot I, more I, than a high-spec PC. A lot more than a high-spec PC. I mean, I, as um, I've literally just bought a 42-inch a 1080p screen. That cost me 1,500 quid. You know? Oh, <laughs> smokes. Did you get that, mate? You've been robbing banks again. No, I've just been selling drugs on the side, mate. I take his point, you know, the console itself is cheap, but I think that there is a lot of periphery stuff about it that you, you have to factor into the equation. I mean, you have to have an internet connection, yeah? And if you're only talking about the console, not having a PC, you've got to pay for that, and you're only going to be limited in your usage. You're not going to necessarily... If, you if, if, if you've got an internet connection, what else can you use it for if you've only got the PS3? Yeah, assuming it's just for gaming and movies, really, isn't it? So... That's it. So you'd only be using it for the game, the, the live service, the equivalent of live. So you know that's quite an expense in itself, just for the gaming side of things. You know, with a PC, there is a lot more that you can do with it. You know, obviously, if you're into your MP3s, you can download um, music. You can download the AV podcasts, of course. Um, <laughs> the first on my list of things to do. Uh, that's Am after the looking at porn, isn't it? <laughs> okay, second on the list. And that'll be about <laughs> a week later. But you, you, you see where I'm coming from. You know, from the internet perspective, you've got a, you've got your definite charge just for the games, um, just to go online and play all this update service. So you've got a, a, a charge already there. Yeah. Um, and you're limited on the internet with the PS3. If you take in itself, that's all you've got. And then you've got to buy a very you know, good screen for it if you want the, the, the 1080p. To be fair, a PC monitor doesn't cost a huge amount. You know, you can pick up a widescreen um, screen for 200 quid. A decent um, one as well. And a decent one for that kind of money. With the um, PS3, I believe you'd have to go HDMI, which therefore puts it into a completely different ballpark and therefore ups the ante somewhat. So I'm, I'm not convinced that there's a really good argument um, personally, for saying, you know, if you're interested in gaming, why don't you just buy a console and don't and forsake the P, P, uh, you know the PC side of things? The other thing uh, that I'm a, I'm a big component on, uh, component that's a bad word. The other thing I'm a big proponent for is the fact that consoles and PCs should be able to you know exist side by side, and you should not necessarily have to put yourself into one or the other. That's true. There there is a lot of scope, and it's and, and my my huge argument and my biggest debating point ultimately for any of this is it comes down to the games you shouldn't buy a, a platform for a technical spec you should buy a platform for the games that you want to play now Absolutely. if you want to if you want to play role playing games um like warcraft or guild wars or you know the legend of ah or whatever it is <laughs> you know, pretty much um, any online rpg 
Well, that's it. You you have to have a PC to do it, and it has to be a reasonable spec. I mean, you don't have to have cutting edge. You know, you can get a reasonable PC for about five hundred quid. Um, okay, won't have a Blu-ray player, but then we're talking purely gaming. We're not yep. sort of trying to um, you know shoehorn other arguments into the equation here. You'd have thought if you're that big, you know, if you're into Blu-ray that much, you'd just have your Get PC a by a separate Blu-ray player anyway. So yep. If mm. it if it's that important, then you, I mean, how much is a Blu-ray player now? You could pick one up. I mean, if you wanted to import the Samsung player, I think it was about five six hundred dollars for an actual standalone player. Yeah. But okay, well, you know, flip it on its head somewhat. Why a Blu-ray? Why not HD DVD? Mm. But go and buy the Xbox 360 add-on. It it works on the PC. It's 130 quid. Yeah. Bargain. Mm. Sorted. Indeed. Good quality as well. Um, that's it. You know, <laughs> feel the quality. Feel the quality. But you know, but it's not. You know, we're, again, the the initial question was down to gaming, and for certain games, the PC dominates. As far as I'm concerned, you know, if you want your strategy games, it dominates. If you want your uh, online role-playing games or role-playing games in general, I would argue that it dominates. Um, if you want FPS games, you are not going to convince me that a gamepad is better than a mouse. Ultra, but um, that's just me. Uh, I'm inclined to agree there, but there are some great FPSs on the consoles. I'm not saying Halo that, being perfect example. I'm not saying that there's not good FPSs. Yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, I think is from it's just from a con control perspective, it's just like a personal yeah. preference, really. I don't think it affects the games themselves. It's just no. what you're most comfortable with playing. It's just and there are a, a lot more. There are a lot more on the PC. I feel um, FPSs. I think it's more even these days. It used to be that way. But I think it's a bit more even these days. I think everything's pretty much becoming multi-format. So yeah. if you're looking for a particular it, 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 game, it is, then chances are it's going to be on either, unless yeah. it's like you know a specific title, unless it's like you know a Microsoft exclusive or a Sony exclusive. That's it. Well, you're not going to see gonna Crisis on the console, are you? For example. Yes, you are. But that there's talk of it. Confirmed. There's it talk of it, but but it won't be the same game. Oh no, it's a completely different game. Yeah. Um, allegedly, <laughs> if it does yeah. come out, which it'll it will be like um, it'll be based on the Crisis story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, reading the developer, one of the, one of the developers um, said that there's no reason why they couldn't bring it to the Xbox 360 or the PlayStation 3. They yeah, specifically um, said Xbox 360. This was a few months back, yeah, last, sometime last year. But, yeah, they have actually, the last I heard on Crisis, they turned around and said, you know, it's being developed purely for PC. We yeah. are not contemplating this title being on a console. Yeah, yeah no, I think uh, something came out about two weeks ago, something like that, where somebody kind of let slip that, you know, they might be working on it. They but might be doing something like Far Cry. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a crisis title, but it's not a um, you know a not, remake of the PC these, crisis yeah. title. It'll just be based on the same story. That's it. It's, a, it's just going to be based in the same world and not you know yeah. the, the, the same game. So that's sorry, that was more what I was talking about at the time. A game like Stalker may or may not come out on the other formats. Um, and you know Half Life Two, is, uh, you know the Xbox is coming out on, but boy, are you lagging behind on that? You know, that's true. They've had to. Converted for the 360, it's adapted to uh, to make it actually work. But uh, it, it's looking like it could be a, a good game on the 360. I I did have it on the PC. I didn't actually finish it on the PC Half-Life 2, so I may get it on the 360 and go through it again. Why did you stop playing on the PC? Just I don't didn't know. Like it? I lost interest in it toward um towards like the last third maybe. I okay. just uh, I just for whatever reason I just. Turned it off one, <laughs> one afternoon and uh, didn't go back to it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's not a negative review. It's just <laughs> never got around to finishing it. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Oh, it's a great game, but I, for whatever reason, it just didn't uh, hold my interest. Hmm, yeah. Strange. Well, I got an okay with the. Well, I don't want to say original Half Life, but when Half Life Two came onto the Xbox, I yeah, I had a great time with that. I'm guessing it's going to be pretty much more of the same. I haven't played the PC, uh, the episode one on the PC, as yet, so uh, I'm not here to judge that. But I'm. You know, looking forward to seeing it on the Xbox 360 for sure. But the 360 should make it look like a, you know, a really good game as well. But it already looks great on the PC, and it looked great on the original Xbox anyway. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I don't know differences in terms of it being on the PC. You know, not in terms of gameplay, but in how it looks and whether it's worth, um, you With know, checking out your PC to yeah. look its best, or whether you're happy playing it on a well, we can now get a 200 pound Xbox 360. Um, you know, is it worth chucking an extra three, four hundred pounds to get it in its all its glory on a PC? Or if you just want to play the game, sit down and play the game. Nothing wrong with um, having an Xbox or a PS3. Mm. If you just want to sit down, and play, and have a laugh. Mm, that's true. Yeah. So, does it just boil down to to quality? Do you think? Just exactly. I mean, obviously, we've mentioned you know PC console exclusive titles, but you know, if if you're really serious about your gaming, 
you know, do you go with both then? Do you want to get the best out of a console game? Do you want to get the best out of the PC? I mean, you're talking about them coexisting. If you're that serious, then get both. If you have to make a choice, I don't know, then maybe base it on the type of games you want to play or, you know, whether you've got space in your front room to keep an Xbox next to a 42-inch screen or whatever, yeah. <laughs> or whether you're just happy sitting in the corner in front of a monitor playing games on a PC. I yeah. think serious um, Half-Life fans would probably be the more hardcore PC gamers who've, who played it originally on the PC when the first one came out all those years ago. Yeah. And they, they'd probably be the ones who'd be upgrading their machine ready for it and uh, waiting for episode two. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to go... For, I, I mean, I'm a firm believer in the fact that um, format is irrelevant, the games are what counts. So I will tend to go for the argument of if there's games on the PC, then it's a no-brainer, you should have the PC. If you want to play Half-Life, for example, first, then it has to be on the PC. If you want to um, play Mario Brothers, you haven't got a choice, you have to stick with Nintendo. Um... If you want to play Gran Turismo, you haven't got a choice. You've got to, you know, basically stick with, you know, Sony. It, it, whatever floats your boat is what you've got to um, sort of basically buy into. Um, and I don't think that you can just turn around and say, um, I'm just going to buy her, uh, this console because it's got cutting-edge hardware or something. Because, I, I, again, to reiterate, and don't want to sound like a stuck record, it's never been about... Um, the console. It's never been about the format. It's never even a bit, to me, about a label or a company. It's always been about the games. Absolutely. I, mean, I bought a 360 when it was at launch because I, I liked the games that were out at the time for launch. I actually liked the launch, a lot of the launch titles are condemned. And I liked the look of games that were do it, like Grow and also Gears of War. Yep. I mean, I can't knock it. I <laughs> work with 360 Max, I play all these <laughs> games, and I'm. You know, I'm, I'm more than happy with the games that are coming through. Some quality titles around for the 360. I don't know how well many of these have translated to the PC. I mean, obviously, I've been playing Gears of War, which is 360 exclusive. So um, I don't know what kind of comparisons you've got to the PC there. I mean, you know, if that's, that's your kind of game, then you've got no choice but to buy the 360 if you really want a player, which is the whole exclusivity thing. But if you're happy with the PC, then, you know, stick with it, I figure. You know, it depends on how much money you've got, whether you've got money to, to throw at getting... Yeah. And it's not that Two expensive, different consoles really. PC. I mean, a PC isn't that expensive either. I think, you know, as I, as we were saying, that you can sort of get a half tidy PC put together for about five hundred, which isn't a huge amount compared to the, some of the other consoles. And figure the fact that the games um, online are about eighteen pound as opposed to sort of your thirty, forty, fifty pounds. Yeah, and obviously you've got point, yeah, yeah. free downloadable content as well, as opposed to having to chuck out subscription fees. Yeah, I mean, it's so much. E I mean, there are so many demos out there that you can download as well on the, for the PC. There's a lot of shareware, freeware, um, emulators. You know, there is a huge gaming community out there. Yeah, okay, it might cost a little bit more than a console at any given time, but I, you know, I firmly believe that there are some quality games out there, and you would be somewhat foolish just to dismiss it. Um, as a format, just because you know you think that a console would necessarily be the best um, thing for you because it's a, a all-in-one solution, there are always going to be a lot of periphery purchases that you need mm -hmm. um, that you may or may not have and you've overlooked. Like I said, the, the 1080p screen, for example. One argument you could put against uh, PC gaming is that, uh, how quickly PC hardware becomes obsolete. And how long consoles tend to last? I mean, like how long, long the PC, the, sorry, the PS2 is still going pretty strong, even up right up to the PS3's release, which is just next month. These games do it. Like God of yeah. War 2 looks fantastic for the PS2. But they have had about seven years development to get it to look fantastic and push yeah. the hardware. Um, I would grant you that I I would argue that PC manufacturers and game, um, companies are lazier um, by not pushing the hardware. Um, to its limits, but I also don't think that it's fair to say that PCs become redundant so quickly um, and the technology moves on. Um, a case in point, for example, and I don't want to talk too much over uh, over this, um, the latest NVIDIA graphics card came out and it was like £400 and they've already brought a, a cut-down version of the DirectX 10 graphics card for less than 200 If you're going to be an early adopter and buy on day one, you're going to pay a premium, yeah. but that's true of any AV or electronics um, uh, item that you want to buy, even a car. Yeah. You know, as soon as you drive it off the forecourt, it's lost yeah, a, it's lost a value. Grand, yeah. 
Um, but, but if you wait a month or so, it, it, the prices drop and things come down, and you know the chips get cheaper to manufacture, and you can you know get the upgrades for a reasonable price. And they usually do last you. Uh, you know, I mean, some people turn around and go, "Oh, well, there's a new card out in two months' time." Yeah, but the card that you've just bought should last you if it's a decent card. And I do stress if it's a decent card, at least you know eighteen months, to even two years. Um, one thing as well to bear in mind, though, is that there's obviously pressure on the developers to make the very best of the latest technology so that their products can be better than anything else on the market. So they can say, you know, we make the best of this, you know, we work DirectX 10, fish compatible, we're awesome, with the best game ever. So, that, um, you know, they're pretty much, we're not placing demands, but people almost feel as if they have to upgrade just, you know, to keep up with the games. You know, we mentioned earlier about it being you know, quality being important if you're really into your gaming. So to that extent, if you want to maintain, you know, the top quality PC tiles to get the very best from the latest games, then you do, you know, you might be kind of forced to upgrade um, mm. if you want to stay at the top of the game, so to speak. It's not saying that, you know, technology isn't forced. It's almost just kind of, you know, almost obligatory, really. You just feel like you have to, um, you know, stay up to date with it just because... You know, the whole gaming technology in itself moves quite quickly. I mean, with the consoles, it's kind of, it's set, it's, it's static. Stuck. You know, you've got, you know, they can develop the software, they can develop various gaming engines and so on um, to constantly improve tiles, but the, the core technology itself is static, so um, the evolution is slower, whereas with PCs it can, you know, move quite quickly at, at times. Um, which, you know, it can, it means that you do have to sort of, as I've said a couple of times, you do have to keep up to date a lot more with your PC. You need to be on the on the ball, be aware of all the latest technology that's around you. Um, whereas with the the console, you just kind of see it there. You put it in your game, you're like, wow, that's awesome. Where did that come from? Yeah. You know, if you compare yeah. early 360 tiles to the recent 360 tiles, look at the difference between the two. Mm. You're like, what have they been doing over the past year or so? It's awesome. <laughs> I'm looking forward to how how much they improve it over the next you know two to three years with the 360 games. A lot of people yeah. have been saying, I've read on a lot of uh, the forums and other places that uh, they reckon Gears of War is that's the best 360 game will ever look like. And I'm thinking, well, no. <laughs> games will look better than that. And when I when I mentioned then that uh, I'm, I'm expecting games to look better than that in the future, I'm expecting Halo 3 to match Gears of War for graphics for, on the single-player game. Yeah. On the single on the multiplayer, maybe not, in all fairness to it, but on the single player game expecting it to match Gears of War. And a lot of people are going, Well that's just not gonna happen. I'm I'm asking, why not? The three sixty can do it. It has to. If you look at the difference between the original Halo and Halo two, when the original Halo came out, everyone was thinking, Wow, this looks great. You know, they probably yeah. weren't labeling it as being the best looking game around, but they thought well, it can't get too much better than this. The difference between that and Halo two was massive. Yep. That's you know, a significant progression in the lifespan of a single console. So there's nothing to think. I mean, if Gears of War sequel, which is inevitable um, when that comes around, you know, they're going to be building it on the same technology, which is just going to be, you know, they're going to upgrade it, they're going to advance the, the game's engine even further. So, you know, it's it's got to look pretty spectacular stuff. Mm. But, you know, fortunately, you won't have to buy an upgrade in order to, to get the most from it. That's correct. But on the flip side, you can't buy an upgrade ever. With consoles, you don't really need it. The, the developers do all the work. Mm, see, <laughs> see, see, I have... It's one of those things that, that's a bee in my bonnet, I suppose, where over the, compared to the PC, I know that I don't have to trash everything, you know, the piece of hardware, just to get the next model, for want of a better you know, description. I might yeah. just need to put in a, a graphics card, and uh, you know, there I am, I can play my game, you know, continue playing, I haven't had to do anything, and I don't have to lose any of my games. Now, you know, just in the news, just earlier, we said that the PS3 in the U in uh, in Europe and I think it's Australasia and a few other places like the Middle East are going to get these scaled down versions of the PS3 where the backwards compatibility that the uh, Americans and uh, the Japanese are enjoying isn't going to be there. Yeah. Um, which then highlights the point that you wouldn't actually have that issue with a PC. Yeah, which is yeah, it's a definite flaw for, for consoles, especially uh, well, I mean, in theory, you're still going to have the console, but it means then that if you want to keep playing PC games, your PS2 and your PS3, you've now got three machines you've got to keep, yeah. because you can't play your PS2 games. Well, I mean, we haven't seen the full list. We don't know quite how um, restrictive it's going to be. I mean, I'm guessing there'll still be quite a lot of titles you'll be able to play. I don't think there'll be too many big names that you'll be forced to buy, um, I don't know, rehashed emulated copies of to play on your PS3. True, but you've only got to look at the Xbox 360 emulated list to realise that while there are games emulated for the uh, Xbox on that console... Um, it was disappointing, um, to say the it, least. Yeah, it wasn't as many as it could have been. It's not complete backward compatibility, so if mm. there's games that aren't on the list, you've got to have an Xbox still. 
Yeah. And PC games are for life. Yeah, not just for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then if we had to, to briefly summarise, I mean, we're going back to this uh, guy's original forum thread. Um, what would you? What would your kind of closing advice be? What would be your suggestion? You know, if he's saying, should I bother getting a PS3 or should I spend all my money on a PC? What would you conclude? It would depend on uh, what games he's after, really. And if, if he was a PC gamer before, chances are he want to be a PC gamer again. I'd recommend upgrading the, upgrading uh, to a new his machine to a high spec. Stick with the PC. And Stick with the PC. Again. Stick with the PC. If that's what he's done before, he may be grumbled about it, but. I think you should do that again. Yeah, I'm I'm somewhat with him. I think that um, if you've been a PC gamer and the ga and ultimately the games that you want to play are on the PC format, then you have to stick with the PC. But there is no reason as to why not to have another console um, as a secondary uh, gaming outlet or even a third or fourth if you wanted all the formats. At the end of the day, it all comes down to what games you want to play. And if you find that the games that you want to play are on the PC and the PS3, then it's a no-brainer. Have a PC and a PS3. Should you hang around for a little while, not be able to pick up, hopefully get a PS3 a little bit cheaper. Xbox 360s, you can pick one up. Um, we're just a call package for 150 quid now. So, um, I mean, that's not a bad little deal. You can. It's not easy, it's not cheap to afford, but you can run that alongside your PC at not too much extra cost, but it does sound like he's kind of got a bit of a console inkling himself, and it's kind of, that's the area that he wants to go in, kind of, maybe a little bit more dismissive of the PC, so, you know, if you you feel that, then just go for it, get the PS3, just, you know, let your PC slide, but I think it sounds that um, three of us pretty much agreed that, you know, don't really want to be dismissing the PC um, quite yet. I mean, it's, well, it's almost eternal lifespan to the PC. So it's definitely one still keeping hanging around the house, and then it's just a case of where and when you want or can afford to upgrade them. Okay, so, you know, borderline conclusive. I think that's pretty much where we'll have to, to leave the discussion for now. Thank you very much to both of you for joining in. Thanks very much. And hopefully we'll all speak again soon. Made by enthusiasts. For enthusiasts. Wow, a free movie, thanks. This is the AV Podcast. And that's it for this week's gaming news and reviews. Join us again next week for more of the same, possibly without the really rubbish accents during the top 10 countdown. Until then, keep gaming, keep happy, whether it's on a PC or a games console. The AV Podcast was presented by Ian Collin and Seth Gecko. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.